Welcome to Working Matters. This is Carl Edwards. Visit us on the web at boldenterprises.com. With us today, we've got a great friend of mine, Rodney Walker with Walker Associates, who's going to join us on our next series that we're starting today on the challenges facing a not-for-profit. Welcome, Rodney. How are you today? I'm doing well, Carl. Thank you for having me today. Oh, we're excited to have you, and this is great stuff we're going to be discussing over for the next four weeks here. For those of you who notice that one of our voices is not Claudia Rempel, mm-hmm. i got to tell you that she's um, at home um, holding a little one in her arms that we've been waiting for for way too long, and we send her our love and congratulations for their new baby daughter. Well, let's dig into this stuff, not-for-profits. I mean, there's a group of people out there that are... Uh, aren't in it for the money, aren't in it for a lot of things. They got other things on their hearts and minds and they get organized and they make things happen and it's exciting stuff. And, and you're connected with these people, aren't you? Yeah, I get an opportunity to work with quite a number of nonprofits uh, in the greater Los Angeles area and just helping good people do good things. Uh, so I tell people all the time, I say I'm in the business of helping people help people. Yeah, excellent, excellent. But, you know, in a capitalistic culture, the Kind of you don't when you don't have that profit metric, it's and you don't have uh, employment contracts and all these tools <laughs> the rest of us have for keeping things moving forward and making sure we're on top of our game. It presents a different set of challenges. Oh, most definitely. You know that's why uh, we like to look at it and see what type of nonprofit solutions we can provide for these wonderful nonprofits that are that are out there doing great things. Because as you just well said. We're dealing with nonprofits that are working not for profit, and for profits doing the very opposite. Uh, so these nonprofits are working toward their mission and, and being able to do some good things in the community to help people. So we've got some challenges we're going to spend the next four um, sessions on that are kind of unique to the nonprofit world. They, they come with the territory, they're everybody's reality, and you, there's just no way around them. Today, we're going to start with a director-board relationship. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you've got the person and the team that makes everything happen, and then you've got the um, partners in that, this board, and, and it's an awkward relationship. The next one we'll move on to is fundraising and how money fits into this yes. whole thing. When it's not for profit, we are still paying wages. We still have, and how does that fit in and how, and how it doesn't fit in and takes over some time? Yes, they have bills. There are bills. <laughs> and then we're going to look at measuring. How do you measure success in a not-for-profit? How do you stay effective? And, and what are the, the metrics involved for that? And then finally, the fourth one will be on working with volunteers. Oh, yeah. Where um, you, are, you want people committed and excited about what you're doing, but you don't have the employment contract. You don't have the job on the line. And you got to look for other methods of motivation. Yes, you got to have people that believe in what you're doing that will come alongside of you and join in with the mission. Well, good. Well, let's dig into this week's topic, the director-board relationship. Why is, it, why is this such a complicated relationship? Why doesn't this just go smoothly and be this kind of energizing partnership? You know, in, in an ideal world, it would happen that way. But since we don't live in an ideal world, it does not happen that way. And one of the reasons that it's so complicated it's because a lot of nonprofit organizations don't take the time to properly train their board members as well as to equip and train their executive directors to be able to fulfill their role. Now, I tell people all the time, nobody's born with a board, board gene and know from day one how to operate with the board. 
And most executive directors are the same way unless they've had somebody that have mentored them along the way. So um, it becomes complicated because you have people uh, operating in different roles that have not been clearly defined. And sometimes you have people that are coming from the for-profit sector that know how for-profit boards operate and try to bring that same mindset into a totally different organization uh, with nonprofits that operate and govern themselves in a different way. So those are a couple of things that bring some unique challenges. Oh, that's excellent. So they're they're actually bringing what they think is going to help the nonprofit. Exactly. And it doesn't serve that end. Yeah, exactly. And I think most nonprofits do themselves a disservice when they don't take time to invest in their boards and helping to clarify what their roles, what their responsibilities are, and making sure that those responsibilities don't bleed over into the executive director's role and responsibilities and vice versa. Well, people I know in not-for-profits, there's that kind of bleeding is all over the place. Yes. And <laughs> kind of the two extremes that are out there is one is where the, the executive director and, and those running the actual program are almost like the um, errant kids, the errant boys and girls of the, the board. Uh-huh. And whatever they do, the board is second guessing it or giving them instructions or telling them who they can hire and fire and kind of getting into some of the administrative stuff. Uh, what do you say to this executive director who's so passionate about the cause? Well, you know, that, that is a unique challenge that nonprofits face, especially with newer nonprofit organizations that are maybe one or two, maybe even three years old, mm-hmm. because you have typically a person who has founded the organization that's coming forth with their passion for the organization. They have founded the organization. They feel like, hey, I've given birth to this organization, yeah. so I should be the one that runs this organization, and everybody should line up to do what I kind of want them to do. And so they bring almost an entrepreneurial mindset into the nonprofit and think that they're the sole proprietor of just leading these board members along. Mm. And when you have that dynamic, then you start setting up a structure that is really not uh, conducive for a nonprofit long term. So um, by taking executive the executive director as well as board members and helping to clarify that role, it, it makes it a little bit better for them so they can begin to really function in those roles and not let them bleed over. Now, there's some bleeding that may take place in the first few years because, you know, the board is having to do a lot of the actual work themselves. But as nonprofits continue to grow and mature, then ideally those boards should be used to help to govern the organization and to allow space for the executive director to do his or her role. And that is to make sure they help to raise funds within the organization as well as to help to govern the the day-by-day operations of the staff and volunteers to make sure that the organization is achieving its uh, mission. So what would you say to an executive director who was struggling with a board that was kind of giving him instructions like he or she worked for the board and why didn't you do what I asked you to do last time and I thought we weren't going to go that direction I would say, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I would really say that the, the executive director, I would really encourage the executive director to do some things and some very, take some very practical steps. One, I would suggest that they uh, take the time to, first of all, acknowledge to the board that they don't work for any one board member. 
that they work collectively for the board. And also, I would encourage them to take a look at making sure that they get board members that have roles such as a chair, typically a vice chair, a treasurer, a secretary, and that they develop a great relationship with the the chair of the board. And as they develop that great relationship with the chair of the board, the chair can begin to fulfill their roles and responsibilities in making sure that the board is really governed and running efficiently. But there may be sometimes that the executive directors might need to bring in another voice and not try to be that voice for themselves. So what happens, the executive director are hired, they're fired uh, when need be by the board. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. kind of hard to instruct the board on this is what you are supposed to be doing. Where Sounds uh, awkward. It does sound awkward, especially they have the power <laughs> at the end of the day to fire you. So, so in those cases, I recommend if they can bring an outside uh, non-biased consultant that can come in that can assist the board as well as the executive director, or if they can maybe uh, go to some trainings that will give them the type of training that will assist them to be able to all function well with their, within their roles and responsibilities. Excellent. Let's spend a minute before we um, conclude just with the other extreme. What about the executive director who is kind of the all-powerful tyrant who wants to do it his way in the board that he just needs to have for appearances sake and... Stay out of everything. I just want you all off raising money for me. And that's all. That's the extent of I want your involvement. Yeah, you, you have those situations that are very real. And especially those situations are very typical, typically known as the founder syndrome, where the mm. founder has founded the organization and they want, they really don't want to have a lot of, of board member participation. Like you just said, they just want to own on the paper. So you have... Um, what I call phantom board members that are kind of out there, but not really there. And they don't have any real input into the organization, but the dynamics that type of scenario brings is that if a board member has their name on the record, that they are board members and really they're phantom board members, they put themselves really in a legal bind because Mm -hmm. if something happened negatively with the organization, whether IRS steps in or whether um, there's some lawsuits that come, come about, they are, the board members are held legally liable because IRS says, in essence, the board has uh, ownership to make sure that the organization is mm. governed in a manner that's proper. So I, I can tell you of countless cases where there have been people that have been on boards and their names were on the record, but they were not actively involved. But when the case came oh. down with IRS, mm. they still were held legally responsible. What do you say to this person who's got this director who's, as you said, is the founder, has got all the passion, the energy, and the connections, and they can't get a word in edgewise? To the board member, I would say, get involved, learn what your role and responsibility is. Mm -hmm. And when you learn what your role and responsibility uh, is as it relates to the board, then then you can start (laughs) helping that executive director to realize what their role and responsibilities are so that the, the organization can run effectively. If they're in a situation where that's not going to happen, they don't even foresee any change at all, uh, I would strongly suggest they may maybe consider moving moving on. Because okay. to, to stay a part of a board where you're a phantom board member, you just put yourself in all type of liability um, scenarios that are less desirable. Sounds wise. Boy, I could stay on this topic. I think feels like we're just scratching the surface, but we're out of time for today. 
Thank you for those insights. That's a, it's a complicated relationship. Get some synergies going or you could be, work against each other. Thank you for listening. Next week, we're going to move on to talk about the complicated area of fundraising and how do you fund these enterprises in a not-for-profit. Thank you for being here. Join us on the web. Join the conversation at boldenterprises.com. Rodney, where can people find you on the web? They can find me at a, at a few different places. They can go to www.waa.b as in boy, z as in zebra, and for those looking for information uh, as it relates to nonprofit boards, they can visit nonprofitboards.net. And there are some great resources there. Excellent. Well, we will join you all again next week. Thank you, Rodney. You're welcome. This podcast is a Bold Enterprises production.